The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated French Open in years, and Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your smart TV or your phone live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to continue their legacy on the clay courts? From the first serve to the final point, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it all happens. And welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today, right now, you're listening on the Believe Podcast Network. Now, we have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about a ton, a ton of stuff. We have a ton to cover, not only a recap of the Western and Southern Open, but we also have a preview of the U.S. Open. Brackets came out, and we are going to break it all down right here on this episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. Now, there's a lot to cover when it comes to the bracket. There's a lot of people that aren't playing in the tournament. There's a lot of stats. There's a lot of stuff. And we're going to get into it all. We have a ton to cover when it comes to the U.S. Open this year. And we're not going to get into it just yet. We're going to talk about the Western and Southern Open. Let's talk about Cincinnati. What went down in Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati had the capability of being a great tournament. And it was a great tournament. And I think the cool thing about the Western Southern Open is a lot of people look forward to it. And it's back-to-back -back ATP Masters 1000s. You look at what they do in Toronto, and then they come right here. And so it really gives players top-notch quality tennis and top-notch quality opponents back-to-back -back weeks until they get to the U.S. Open. So this is, this is one of the better tournaments of the year. Last year, they canceled a lot of the U.S. Open series, yet they still had this one. They brought it to New York and had it. But let's break it down a little bit. I talked about Daniil Medvedev in Toronto and leaning in. Could this be like a 2019? Could this you know, be a run like he had a couple years ago? And could he make a real big run at the U.S. Open? Now, I'll get into the U.S. Open part a little bit later. But I, last week, I talked about, yeah, I do think it, this could be a run like he had before. And he had a great run at the Western and Southern Open. Now, sometimes I think with Medvedev, I think it gets to a point in tournaments where he just doesn't care. He's on to the next. And I don't know that for a fact, but it seems that way sometimes where he's like, yeah, something went wrong. This went wrong. This went wrong. And it gets in his head of like, I'm done. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to move on to the next challenge, which is the U.S. Open in this case. And I feel like that's what happened here. There's a drama. He had a camera guy. Stuff went down kind of there. And he ended up losing in the semis to Andre Rublev, which is like the first time Andre Rublev's beaten him on the tour. Rublev's really struggled against Medvedev on the tour. Two Russians, they were friends as kids. And Rublev comes out in three sets and beats him. After losing the first set 2-6, comes back 6-3, 6-3, moves on into the final. Now, some of the other players in this, Yannick Sinner was in this, and he got beat by John Isner, which was a little surprising. But, you know, some of those younger players don't know how to compete at such a high level for a long period of time, especially leading into the U.S. Open. They might think, a lot of players, I think, once they get closer to the U.S. Open or to a Grand Slam, matches become more 
insignificant because they're so focused on being so good in shape and so physically and mentally ready for the Grand Slam. I don't know that for a fact. That is a guess on my part. You look at Denis Shapovalov. He's a sixth seed here. He loses to Bino Pierre. He should not be losing to Pierre in this tournament at all, losing three sets. But Shapo's also fell off the deep end a little bit as of late. Kasper Ruud had a good tournament, ended up playing in the quarters against Alexander Zverev. We'll get to Zverev in a sec. Um, Sitsipas had a fantastic tournament, ended up playing Felix Ogier Aliassime in the quarters. Let's get to the semis. I already talked about the other semifinal. I want to talk about Alexander Zverev and Stefano Sitsipas. Now, this could be a rivalry, right? This is a rivalry. You talk about people that are rivalry in sport, especially tennis. They don't have to hate each other. But they're two solid players. Like you look at an early Rafa, you look at an early Roger, you look at an early Djokovic, kind of something like that. But Alexander Sferov and Sitsipas, a lot of interesting things to take away from this match. And I want to get into a few things. One, during the match, Sitsipas, I don't know if it was after a set or it was between games. I'm not, I'm unclear on that part. But he took a bag with him and went to use the restroom. He was at the restroom for what I saw for six minutes-ish. Now, that is over the time, I believe, that you get for taking a break during whatever the circumstance may be. It, wasn't, it didn't seem to be medical either. But Sverov was upset that Sitsipas has done this before. He's taken a bag which has believed to have his phone in it to the bathroom or to somewhere else, and who knows he could be texting. Now, ironically... Whoever was shooting the tournament showed Sitsipas' dad sitting in his seat, and he was on his phone, ironically enough. Now, do we have any evidence that Sitsipas was cheating? None. We have zero evidence that Sitsipas cheated in this instance, but it does raise eyebrows because there are a history of him and his dad, and especially his dad, trying to coach on the match and trying to do specific things. And Sitsipas is the one that came out and said, hey, I, I believe we should be able to coach um, on court and stuff like that. Curios is like, nah, dude, I don't agree with you on this, Steph. So that became a big issue. And Sferov, even on court, freaked out. And he, he said, this happened in Paris. Sitsipas does this kind of things. And then afterwards, it kind of just got brushed under the rug and no one really talked about it. Now, I love, if you haven't heard this, go to Tennis Channel or go find the Andy Roddick's take on this. Because Andy Roddick goes, I don't know how we let Sferov let Sferov off the hook here in his post-match press conference. Us as the media needs to be asking him questions like, "Why do you? what do you think happened? Why do you think it happened? And what were you trying to... If you're accusing him of these accusations of cheating and taking his phone, he should have to answer questions from that. And Roddick really gets into it and goes, no one's even asking him about the sex abuse things either. So that is a really good point from Roddick. And he says it on Twitter and he says all this stuff. I saw the video on Twitter, but it all makes sense. Why are we not asking these players these questions? And I think it's going to come to the point here where these players start getting these types of tough questions and they have to answer them. And I think it kind of took a step back as people in the media after Naomi Osaka did her whole thing. But then again, what has Naomi Osaka really done wrong? Nothing. So yeah, maybe we're asking unfair questions of people who are doing nothing wrong, but people on this tour that are doing something wrong or not even something wrong, something questionable. Andy Roddick's completely right. They should be questioned on things that are questionably happening on this tour. And if you're accusing someone of cheating, you should absolutely get asked about that. Flip side, Sitsipas should have to explain why you bring your bag in or let someone else check it or something else should happen in that situation. I get both sides of that. But 
there's a lot of not questions being asked, and there's a lot of not answers that we have about exactly what happened in that situation. And as Andy Roddick says, that's disappointing. There's also a lot of non-answers we have about the whole um, sexual harassment, sexual abuse, whatever the case may be with Alexander Sverev. Still a lot up in the air about that. I don't know how I got on this tangent from the Western Southern Open. I kind of know, but I'm going to get off it because I'm sick of talking about it, and I don't want to talk it anymore. Sometimes I think some of these younger players just have drama to undermine the fact that no one's close to Djokovic, Rafa, and Roger. And do they think they ever will be close? We're seeing something in the sport right now that we're not going to see for a long time. And somehow, someone explained it a while back. They go, these players that haven't even touched a Grand Slam title are getting these massive deals on for their social media present, getting these massive deals through Nike, Adidas. And someone said, back when I played, I cannot remember who it was. It might have been John McEnroe or something. Back when I, He's like, back when I play... We, we weren't getting deals unless we were winning big matches. And there's a lot of players today that aren't winning big matches and have all these deals. And there's got to be something else in the sport to talk about other than these three masters controlling every bit of the sport, even though they're like super old in the sport. and They're still kicking everyone's butt. That's all I'm going to say about it. Western Southern Open it ends up being a victory for Alexander Sverev. He adds on to his gold medal with this victory at the Western Southern Open. He ends up beating... Rublev, 6-2, 6-3, not much of a match there. They go to the U.S. Open and train a week early, and some people go down to Winston-Salem. I'm not going to talk much about Winston-Salem. All I'm going to say about Winston-Salem before we move on to the U.S. Open is Kyrgios was supposed to play. This is another thing we need to talk about, I think, but I'm not going to go on a tangent here. Kyrgios was supposed to play. He backed out of Winston-Salem and wasn't going to play Andy Murray like the day of. Right, He was in the main draw. He was there. He backed out because of injury. So a lucky loser comes from Qualies and plays Andy Murray. Well, that's Noah Rubin, the American Noah Rubin. And it sounds like he didn't get much time from the time he lost to get on that court. And then not only that, but he doesn't get the money of losing in the first round like he should, it sounds like. Sounds like that goes to Nick Kyrgios. And everyone's like, well, that's dumb. How does this guy played the match? Why doesn't he get the money? And I think there's a lot of problems with that. And, and Ruben talked about it a few times on like, yeah, this is dumb. What, what hap, what's happening in Winston-Salem, I think, is going to open some eyes. And we'll talk about it another day on a rainy day. But I just wanted to touch on it today. What's going on down there? I think Ivashka beat Pablo Carino Busta. And Ivashka is moving on. Carino Busta probably is going to head up to New York here soon. But let's get to New York. Let's talk about New York, and let's talk about the U.S. Open. Now, let's break this down into four quarters of the bracket. Now, let's top, start at the top. It's Novak Djokovic as the one seed. He's going to play a qualifier, a lucky loser. And his biggest competitors, I think, on this side of the bracket, da David Goffin is on this side of the bracket, could play him as, as soon as round three, could play Kai Nishikori. That's a second-round match. Kainish Corey versus David Goffin. That is if Goffin beats McDonald, but that could be a round of 32 match for Djokovic. In the second round, Djokovic is going to play Struff, which had a good grass season and ended up beating uh, Medvedev, but that's what's going on up there. Who else could make him make a run for it in this side of the bracket? I'm going to go probably Karatsev's in this side of the bracket. Um, Taylor Fritz, the Americans in this side. Jensen Brooksby is on this side. Uh, Sana goes on this side, Hubie, or Hubert Hercotch is on this side, so all those guys could really give him a run until the semis. Uh, you look at other guys like Matteo Berrettini is probably his biggest threat 
on this side uh, before he gets to the fourth. Dennis Kudla is on this side, the American. Uh, Alex De Manure, I already said. I already said Fritz, Jensen Brooksby. Those are all names that are that could potentially play Novak Djokovic before getting to the semis. Do I think any of them beat them? I will give you my prediction at the very end, but I'm going to say no until the semis. Okay. Let's move on to the second part of that. Who could meet Djokovic in the semis? This is Alexander Sverev's quarter. He starts with Sam Query, the American. Jack Sox back in it. I don't think he'll give him much of a run for his money. Monfils is in this one. I don't know if Monfils can beat, as much as I love him, I don't know if he could beat uh, Sverev. Who could beat Sverev getting into the quarters? That could be Yannick Sinner. Yannick Sinner could play him as soon as the quarters, or to get into the quarters. So he could take him in the in the fourth round. Then you look at the you know who could play who could play Sverev in the quarters. You're looking at guys like Sebastian Corda. You're looking at guys like. Uh, Pablo Karina Busta. By the way, Sebastian Corda could play Karina Busta in the second round. That'd be unbelievable. That'd be awesome. Lorenzo Musetti, I don't think. Maybe Opelka, he's been playing well. Hachinov could. Lloyd Harris. All these guys are on the same side as Zverev. And then you look at the American Tommy Paul's also, also in it. And the biggest competitor, I think, against Zverev, which seed-wise, that is also the truth, is Denis Shapo. He is, Shapovalov is the seventh seed. Let's go to... The third quarter, Andre Rublev is the five seed in this side, and he's going to play. He could play Francis Tiafo. Nick Kyrgios is in this in this quarter. Uh, Felix Ogier, Ali Asim's in this quarter. You're looking at guys like Feliciano Lopez is in this quarter. Uh, Andy Murray's in it, and then the quarter is really for Stefano Sitsipas. Now Sitsipas and Andy Murray play the first round. Let's go. I'm excited about that. I'm ready for that. Hugo Humpert is in this side of the bracket as well. Cam Nori, Alcaraz, big names in Stefano Tsitsipas' side of the quarter. Now, do I think who comes out of that? I think Tsitsipas can. I think he will. But Rublev is also playing really well right now, and that could be an electrifying quarterfinal. Let's go to the last half, or the last quarter, I should say. This is Medvedev's quarter. It's got Isner. The eighth seed is going to be Kasper Ruud playing Sanga first round. You're looking at guys like uh, Diego Schwartzman's here. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov is here. Paparin's here. Uh, Marin Cilic is here. And then, obviously, Richard Gasquet is playing the number two seed, Daniil Medvedev. Now, Daniil Medvedev is solid. That's going to be a really good first-round match, but I expect Medvedev to come out of that. Who do I think is going to be in the semis? I do think it's going to be Medvedev just because of the confidence I have in his game right now. And I do think it, it is, and it could be very well, Medvedev and Rublev back at it again in the semis of this tournament as well. Who do I think is going to be at the top? I think it's going to be Djokovic. And I don't know if Sitsipas can do that. I think Actually, I think Sitsipas in the other one. I don't know if uh, who who's down here. Am I getting this all wrong, folks? Oh, Berrettini. Do I think it could be a rematch in the in the quarters of what happened at Wimbledon? Oh, I don't know. Um, no, I don't. I don't know if Berrettini can make the semis again here, like he did in 2019. So I'm gonna say no. Who is it gonna be? I'm not sure. It could be. A lot of different people. It could be, you know, Damon Neuer plays really well at these tournaments. You look at guys like, uh, you look at guys like Opelka. He can make a run here. You look at guys like Corda. He can make a run. Pablo Carino Busta could. Chapo could. I think there's a lot of guys in there that are better than Matteo Berrettini. And so I'm going to put money. I don't put money on these tournaments. Oh, Sferov's also on this side of the bracket. Um, 
then I think it's going to be Sferov. You guys are all going to think I'm boring because I'm picking the really good players, but really good players play really good on a really big stage, and that's why I'm picking them. Let's get to the part that everyone wants to know. Who's going to win the U.S. Open on the men's side? And I've thought a lot about this, and I am assured in my answer, but I'm going to give you an answer here, and it might not give you a concrete answer, just depending on what my answer is. I am going to choose whether it's going to be Novak Djokovic or the field. It's going to be anybody else in this tournament or Novak Djokovic. Here's my answer. I'm picking Novak Djokovic. I have a 1 and like 128 chance of getting this right. Or I, I get one person out of 128 or I get 127 people. I'm picking that one person simply because of how good he is. He lost at Tokyo. I think that sits not well with him. He had a bad showing there. He can end the year on a high note here. He can end the year with a calendar Grand Slam that hasn't happened in ages. Ages. I think since the 60s. And he could do that at this tournament. And that doesn't happen often. There's a reason it hasn't been done in so many years. 50-so years or something. Almost 50 years. But he can do it here. And I think he capitalizes on this opportunity. I really do. Because I think he knows you know, he's not going to beat Rafa every year at Roland Garros. And some of these other players will start coming in. When's the next chance he'll have to do this? And I think he's playing good tennis. I think he pulled out of a couple tournaments just because. Because he wasn't feeling the best. He's taking time to rest. And he's back at it. I'm picking Novak Djokovic to win the U.S. Open in 2021, win the calendar Grand Slam, and have the most Grand Slam titles in men's tennis history. That's what I'm picking to happen. It's a bold pick. It's not really a bold pick because he's the number one seed, but a lot can go wrong. But I am picking it. I think Novak Djokovic is going to win this tournament, and that's that. I also read a stat. This is who's not in this tournament. Let's go there. Who's not in this tournament? Roger's not in this tournament. Rafa's not in this tournament. Venus and Serena are not in this tournament. So there's going to need to be some other names in this tournament that can really show show up and make a name for themselves. And I think this is their opportunity because I think no matter who's in this tournament, I think there's going to be a ton of fans because it's time to get out and it's time to watch. And people haven't been able to watch tennis in New York at the USDA Billie Jean King National Tennis Center in over almost two years. So... It's time for people to watch tennis, and I think there's going to be a lot of people out there. But it's time for some of these younger guys to get their name on the ballot, to get their name out there, and really have a good tournament. I'm excited for this tournament. I'm going to give you a week run, week one recap next weekend, but this is my preview to this tournament. If you can't tell by the how fast I talked and how excited I was this entire podcast, how excited I am about this tournament, you're reading the room wrong. Because let's go. It is time to get going in New York. It is time to start the U.S. Open. It is time to start the largest and the best sporting event the world has ever seen. And it's going to happen in New York over the next two weeks, over Labor Day weekend. And it is going to have the largest payout ever, $75,000 for losing in the first round. But you can get much more money for winning the whole thing. And I'm stamping it here. Novak Djokovic is going to win the U.S. Open this year. You heard it here first. 
Thanks for listening today. We have so many good episodes ahead of us, especially going into the U.S. Open. We have the week one recap looking into week two, and then we will have a recap of the entire tournament moving into everything else that's going to happen the rest of 2021. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me at Jacob Sersosimo on social media, at Believe Podcast on social media. Let us know what you think. Let us know who you want to see on the show maybe as a possible guest. And buckle in and watch tennis. It's going to be on ESPN. It's going to be on national television. And tennis in New York is about to happen. Watch it, love it, and take care of yourself. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.